أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته So inshallah today we are going to be continuing with Surah Al-Layl which is a pair of Surah Al-Shams yesterday's Surah and this is Surah number 92 Before we begin I would like to uh, share with you an experiment that happened uh, a long time ago, there was this experiment that happened. It has to do with the theme from yesterday's surah, which was primarily about the nafs and struggling against the nafs, right? So the experiment was that they got a, a group of like 10 children and they put in front of them a plate with a cookie. And they told them that this, uh, you need to wait for 10 minutes, you know, not eat the cookie for 10 minutes and then we will give you two, two cookies to eat. Okay, so, and they video recorded this experiment. And so all 10 children for 10, five, like the moment the clock started ticking, they're alone in this room and they're monitoring them to see how they react. And everybody's looking at the cookie, looking at the time. And it's so tempting, right? Something right in front of you. But had they, if they wait, they get double the reward. And so they realized that Nine out of ten kids eventually ended eating, uh, eating the cookie. Only one or two, it was I think one or two, a very small minority, were able to resist the temptation of instant satisfaction. And subhanAllah, they kept on doing this experiment for different children over and over again. And as the years went by, they noticed a very interesting trend. That the same students the same children that were able to resist their temptation, they were the ones who were succeeding immensely in their careers. They were, they were the CEOs, they were the ministers, they were the you know, multi-millionaire businessmen, subhanAllah. The same children who were able to resist their temptation. So remember how I told you that this thing of fitra is there in our, in our bodies, right? Since we're born, we have this ability to balance between the needs of the ruh and the needs of the the nafs. And so let's do a quick recap of yesterday's session just to make sure everyone was not sleeping. So we agreed that there's two main forces opposing each other. What are the two main forces? The nafs pulling us down towards earth and the ruh pulling us up towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what do we call that striking balance? What is that known as? The fitra. Okay? The fitra is where we balance the two. Okay? And what happens when the fitra goes away? Then yeah, then imbalance and what happens when you forget Allah and we forget spiritual food, what happens? We get pulled and we start acting like animals. And what's the mechanism that decides in our body? Is it the mind or what is it? The heart decides, right? And if the heart is clean, then are we going to make good decisions or bad decisions in our life? Good decisions. We're going to say good things, we're going to see good things, we're going to you know, do good things and we're going to go to good places. If the heart is corrupt, then what kind of decisions will we be making in our lives? Corrupt decisions. We'll be seeing corrupt things, we'll be thinking corrupt things, we'll be doing corrupt things, we'll be conducting corrupt businesses, we'll be going to corrupt places and we're going to be, you know, our entire life will be full of corruption. So the, the whole objective was purify your core. Purify your core so that your heart is clean, so that you make smart decisions. And you know, uh, an important theme there was patience because 
Yes, in the beginning that road is tough, but later on it gets easy. Most people choose the easy route in the beginning. Why? Because they want instant ease, instant satisfaction. They're not willing to wait long term, right? And so, the, yesterday we looked at internally. Allah is giving us like an internal biology class of what's going on inside of us. The nafs, the ruh, the heart, and all this like internal stuff which you probably won't even find in books, right? I mean, rarely do they teach this stuff in elementary or secondary. They teach you external, you know, the heart, the organs, the liver, the mind. But they don't go into this depth, which is more important than the external stuff, right? Okay, so today what we're going to do is with sort of lay, look at what happens as a consequence of the core. What kind of actions does a human being take? So it's more of a result. What are the consequences of taking care of your in, inner self versus not taking care of it. Okay, so we're going to see both extremes. And so this is a Mecki surah, 21 ayat. The, um, the surah is broken down into five categories or five parts. The first part is going to be a series of oaths that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take to remind us of the day of judgment, the inevitability of the day of judgment. The day of judgment is coming because of these oaths. Okay, and then part number two will be the two main efforts of the human being. Like Allah previously said in previous surahs that you are going to be struggling in your life, whether it's for the good cause or the bad cause, that's up to you to decide. But the human being is going to put a lot of effort. So he's going to mention to us the two types of efforts. Third part, Allah will talk about how his guidance works. Okay, so the theme of that third part will be how Allah's guidance works and how does his reward system work. And the last, last but not least, the fifth section will be about the warning. The final warning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give the uh, believers and, and the disbelievers, of course. So we begin. A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. What was the qasam in the previous surah? It was by the sun, right? Today, now we're starting with darkness. So it's like the opposite mirror of the surah. I swear by the night as it covers. Covers what? Covers everything in darkness, right? As the night covers. Allah doesn't mention what it covers, but darkness covers everything. You know? And here, the parallel being drawn to as a metaphor of darkness of kufr. As the darkness of kufr covers your heart. And we know that the person whose heart is covered, they become blinded to the reality of things. They can't see things for the reality. They start making decisions, you know, not really realizing the impact and the consequences of those decisions. Why? Because everything is blinded. They're blinded. You know, Allah describes such people whose hearts have been sealed, who can't see. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have hearts, but they can't think. You know? And so, Allah describes these people as even worse than animals. And here, Allah is also reminding us the functionality of the night. It covers. So, just question, you know, or think about if there was no night. You know, Allah is reminding us of the favor of the night. The night, its purpose is for the human being to sleep and rest, right? Imagine there was no night. Imagine you, have, you had, it was daylight 24-7. What kind of lives would we have? Messed up, right? I mean, psychologically it's disturbing. You want to close the curtains when it's time to sleep. You want to switch off all the lights. You feel comfortable. Even our children, they like it when it's nice and dark and cozy and, you know. That's why people have invented those, those blindfolds where in the airplanes where you, you need darkness to sleep. And so here Allah is reminding us of the favor of the night. Then He says the, uh, the other contrast. وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا تَجَلَّى 
and I swear by the day as you know the brightness of the day becomes uh, or becomes exposed right when nahari idha tajalla he's swearing by the night by the day so there's opposites again and in the previous surah we learned what's the purpose of these opposites Allah's trying to show us how these opposites yes they may they're actually pairs right night and day are a pair just like the sun and the moon are a pair but these pairs around us in the universe are working in harmony they're not clashing they're both extremes and opposites, but yet they're working and blending each other in harmony. And we need to learn from that. We need to learn to make our nafs and our ruh work in harmony also. That was the lesson in the previous surah. So here Allah is saying, by the, by the day as it appears in glory. Okay? What's interesting here is, when Allah talked about the night, He used... Um, he used the fi'l mudara'. The action that is mudara, which means it's in the present and the future tense. Okay? And you need to know this in Arabic that whenever Allah uses a verb that is for the present or the future, that means it is changing. It is not permanent. It is temporary. As for when Allah uses the past tense, it means it is what? It is fixed. It is permanent. Okay? So Allah for the night, He used yaghsha. He used the fi'l mudara, which, is, which means it's temporary. As for daylight... He used past, which means it is fixed. What is the benefit of that? And this is the precision of the choice and the, you know, the, every single word and its precision in, its, in the sentence and how it's structured. Sometimes in translations, you won't get the depth of this meaning. So what here Allah is alluding to is that daylight removes darkness suddenly. Daylight removes darkness suddenly. Okay? And we know this um, during time of Fajr. What happens? It's dark and all of a sudden what happens? There's this Fajr time, explosion of light, right? So it's, it's completely dark and then this you know, light pierces through the darkness and light starts spreading. What happens when it's time for Maghrib? What about darkness as it comes? Does it come immediately or, or slowly and gradually? It comes slowly and gradually, doesn't it? Yeah. So what is the benefit of this, subhanAllah? And what is the ben- what, what, what's the link between this and past and future and present, right? So here Allah is talking about the nature of the night and the day in parallel to the light of iman and the darkness of kufr. The light of the iman and the darkness of kufr. So... What was the period, how many years between the message of Isa and the Prophet Roughly, about 600 years, right? So 600 years of darkness, a long night that's dark. But then Rasulullah came with his, with his final message in the Qur'an and within a period of 23 years, the light started spreading. So you see how the, the night was very long. It was complete darkness. But then it, all it took was a little bit of light to, to change everything. Just like the night and the day, when it comes to night moving, changing into daylight, it, all it takes is one small light. That's why Allah calls nur in the Qur'an is mentioned in singular form. It, you, never, you never hear the word anwar in the, in the Qur'an. Nur is one. It's sing, all you need is one nur. What about, what about darkness? Allah calls it dhulumat. 
There, it's in plural form. Why? Because you have layers and layers of darknesses. But nur is only one. So all it takes, yes, you have 600 years of darknesses. But all it takes is one nur to change things. And we see this every day. So subhanAllah, next time you see Fajr time, you're outside, you need to remember this lesson that Allah is teaching us every single day. That darkness change, changes to light very quickly, suddenly. Whereas daylight to darkness, it takes time, it's gradual. You know? And just, just like that, when, when there is Iman, gradually, you know, as a human being sins, as the human being, you know, um, gets, you know, exposed to filth and, you know, waswas of shaitan, slowly, slowly the iman starts going away at night, it becomes dark, and then he does tawbah and then daylight again. So that's the cycle of the human being, subhanAllah. And so, past and present, the night, we said, is something that is mentioned, is, uh, mentioned in present and future form, which means it's, it's changing always, right? It's not constant. Whereas nahar, it's constant. It's, it's equivalent to the daylight, which, is, which shows us the consistency of the nur. It's constant. And we learned yesterday that the nur of the sun is also reflected by the moon, right? So the nur is consistent. It doesn't go away. Even when it's dark, we still see um, you know, the nur of the sun being borrowed by the, by the moon itself, subhanAllah. So beautiful things about the reflection of this, this creation. And then Allah swears by, وَمَا خَلَقَ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى and he swears by the one who created the male and the female. Now, here we're, we're praising the creation of the male and female, and we're praising the one who created the male and the female. So again, male and female, opposites, right? And we can consider them as pairs. Similar to, in the previous surah, sun and moon, earth and sky. By the way, why was earth and sky, or the sky and the earth, why were they pairs? We've learned this in the previous surahs, that... If it wasn't for the skies and the rain that falls down from the skies, would we have life on earth? No, because we know that through the rain and through the sun's light, we get light on earth, subhanAllah. And remember the, the metaphor that we thought about, the rain being like the, just like the drop of sperm that impregnates the wife. Similarly, the drops of rain are impregnating the earth. And therefore, the, the children of earth come out in the form of plants and fruits and flowers and vegetables. And then this brings benefit to humanity, subhanAllah. Just like children, you know, are hopefully benefit and not a curse for humanity. And, and so, here again, Allah is teaching us, Just think about this. Think about how life would be if there were no females. How depressing it would be, guys, right? No females, no wife, no mother. No sister, no daughters, subhanAllah. I can't imagine my life without these, yani my mother, my wife, my daughter. I mean, life would be so dry and boring, right? Imagine life with no sky, just earth. If there was no sky, no rain, we would all be dead. Imagine life without the sun, all darkness. We have to wake up in the morning in darkness and go to work. Your headlights are always on. Your electricity bill will be triple the... You know? You constantly need artificial light to give you that light, subhanAllah. And so similarly, there's life and there is death. That's the pair here. Allah is reminding them, there's life and there's hereafter. Just like there's sun and the moon, just like there's male and female, everything is in pairs. So why is it when it comes to the day of judgment, are you rejecting it? Why are you rejecting that there is a pair for life also? 
It doesn't make sense. There has to be a day of judgment. So you're just denying it. You know it's going to come, but you are denying it. Why are you denying it? Because you have corruption inside. You want to party in this life. You don't want to face consequences. You know, you don't want to be accountable for it. You want freedom. According to you, this is freedom. I don't want any rules. I want to enjoy. I want instant satisfaction. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gives us the jawab al-qasam, the answer to this qasam. There is no doubt about it. Indeed, your efforts are all in different directions. Your efforts are divided. There's people who are doing efforts for goodness. They're competing in giving charity. They're competing in you know, studying Quran and praying and you know, helping the poor and the orphans. On the contrary, you have people who are you know, running haram businesses, they're getting into riba, they're getting into all sorts of injustice and accumulating wealth and being selfish and seeking honor from you know, buying expensive things and wasting money, right? So you have, in Your efforts are divided. That's what Allah is saying here. So the key word here is, إِنَّ سَعِيَكُمْ Sa'i means to struggle for a cause. And sa'i actually means fast-paced walking. And that's what we do in sa'i, between Safa and Marwa and Umrah, right? Ali, just been there, right? You saw people running between the green lights? That is called sa'i. That is when you're walking fast-paced. And when do you walk fast-paced? When you have an objective, you have a mission, you, you, you want to do something, right? You're serious about something. And so some people are serious towards goodness. They're serious to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Others are serious about getting the next Ferrari and getting the next haram business up and running, getting the next number of that girl, right? Some people are dedicated to their you know, corrupt desires. And so um, Allah here is shifting focus to inna sa'yakum He's talking to us directly. From third person, in the previous surah, Allah talked about thamud. Kathabat thamud. Thamud lied and they denied their message. Allah now is addressing us directly. That if you haven't learned the lessons from the past, from uh, thamud story, then it's time to talk to you directly. You know how like the parent and the child, sometimes you give an, a general lesson, do not play with matches, right? In general, you're saying this in the majlis. But then you find out your son is messing around with matches. You sit him down and you say, Abdullah, do not mess around with matches. Did you hear me? You know, it has much more impact now. Abdullah is being addressed directly. And so you have divided efforts. Which side are you on? You know, here Allah is saying, Inna sa'akum lashatta. You need to decide which side you want to be on. You want to be on my side and enter Jannah eventually? Or you want to be on Shaitan's side? You want to be on the Fajr side, the Fujur side, right? In the previous surah, we learned um, about Fujur and Taqwa, right? Allah has already built inside of us the differentiation between goodness and falsehood. It's already built in us. We know what's good, what's bad. You choose. And you know, in the previous surah, Surah Taqweer, if you remember, what was the question being posed in the conclusion? Where are you going? Where do you want to go? You have these two paths. Where do you want to go? Ask yourself this question. Do you want to go to Jannah or you want to go to the hellfire? Do you want to please Allah or you want to worship your nafs and your desires and, and follow shaitan? So decide where you want to go. And then Allah then says, now we're getting into the efforts. Allah is going to describe to us two, par- two different pairs of efforts. The efforts of goodness versus the effort of evil. So the efforts of goodness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى Ask for the one who gives and protects himself. وَاتَّقَى 
أعطى and واتقى. Okay. And then Allah in the next ayah says, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى and believes in the husna, فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى We will make his path easy. Okay, that's the first goodness type. Let's drill in. Because, mashallah, the lessons here are profound. So, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى As for the one who gives. Allah is praising the one who gives. The question now is, in the previous surahs, we learned that we need to give who? We need to give the poor. We need to give the orphans, especially those who are closer to us, the relatives, right? We need to give to free people from debt. We need to free slaves. We need to free people who have been in, imprisoned by bailing them out, right? We need to give, 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 give. Now the question to the poor person would be, Allah, I don't have money to give. So here Allah, like out of His mercy and wisdom, He did not say, ask for the one who gives money. What did He say? Ask for the one who gives. So the question is, give what? You fill in the blank. What has Allah given you that you can give back to Allah? You know, for some of us, we're not fortunate to have money, but Allah has given you time. Give time to Allah. You know, give, Allah has given you youth. Give your youth to Allah's sake. Allah said that the, the youth, the young people who are close to Allah in their youth, they will be under the shade of Allah. Why? Because it's a special time of the, of the human being, the youth. And most youth are you know, lost, they're going the wrong track, they're following their desires, there's a lot of distractions from shaitan. So for the youth who sacrifices his time for the sake of Allah, then he deserves a special shade on the day of judgment. So give whatever you have, whatever talent you have. You, you are, you know, gifted with medicine, give your knowledge of medicine to goodness. You've been gifted with money, give money. You've been gifted with some knowledge, teach people with your knowledge. You've been gifted with, I don't know, a nice way of talking. Use your talent of talking to, to give a good message out. You've been gifted with making people smile. Use it to make people smile. Some people are gifted, right? They, they have this jolly character and so they use it in good things. There was, peop there was people in the time of the Prophet who were gifted with poetry. And Rasulullah didn't say astaghfirullah, poetry. No, 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 no. Go and pray to rak'ah and make istighfar. No. He used to say to Hassan ibn Thabit, Come, ya Hassan, yalla, recite for us a poem, man. Let's, let's listen to a poem. He, he used to appreciate art. Rasulullah used to appreciate art. You know? So he had time for, to listen to a poetry. And there was a Sahabi who was not known for fighting in battles, he was not for, known for his you know, um, extreme fasting abilities and his extreme, uh, you know abilities in understanding Quran. No, he was a poet. And yet Allah, uh, the Prophet ﷺ commended this and said, wow, Hassan, you're good in poetry? Come, let's use you in your poetry. So people nowadays, we call them the nasheed artists, right? You're gifted with a nice voice. Use it to you know, get people closer to Allah. Why not? People, it's better than listening to you know, Lady Gaga and you know, Snoop Doggy Dog or whatever, right? <laughs> so... Yani, whatever Allah has given you, He's saying, أَعْطَى فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى And what's beautiful here is, who do you give? Is the next question. First question, well, what do I give? Second question, who do I give? Allah left it blank. You know, and He explained this in the previous surah. Give to the miskeen, give to the poor who is in need, give to the orphan, give to the one. Yani, the matraba, remember? Miskeen and the matraba, the one whose his life is dust. He's living in a garbage. And literally today we have people living in, in the slums. I just looked at a documentary of the slums of India. How many millions of people are living literally in slums, in the garbage? 
Yani, subhanallah. So these are the people we need to give. So, when you give, what happens to you? You gain taqwa. That's when you become righteous. Like I told you yesterday, righteousness is not, righteousness is not alhamdulillah, I have taqwa, I feel so good. And it's not something you just sit eating popcorn and, and gaining. No. Righteousness happens when you do something. It requires an action. You, you do something to gain taqwa. So what is Allah saying here? What do you do to gain taqwa? Give. Why? Because this is a sign that you have no attachment to this life of dunya, right? Hayat dunya You don't have attachment. You know that this is, does not belong to you. Another very important thing here. Who gives? The one who knows is, this stuff doesn't belong to me anyway. This money doesn't belong to me. Allah gave it to me. It's a gift from Allah. And therefore, if I give it, it's not mine to begin with. As for the greedy, we will see later on. The greedy, why doesn't he give? He thinks he earned this money. He thinks he owns it. He thinks he, and he earned this from his sweat. And therefore, why should I give it? I worked eight hours a day to earn this. Why isn't the poor working? You know, so this greed comes into play. And so Allah is saying, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى Taqwa is the action of saving yourself from fear of harm. Very beautiful definition. Taqwa is the action of saving yourself from fear of harm. Okay? So why would you even commit that action? Because that fear that maybe this will harm me. So taqwa in the sense of protecting your heart. Remember I told you, protect your heart like it's like that newborn baby that needs to be constantly taken care of. Taqwa would be, should I look at that thing or no? Should I look at that video or no? That shameless video. If I look at it, will it harm me? Yes. So I need to take action. What's the action I'm going to take? Lower your gaze or switch the channel or close the window or block that friend who keeps sending you those forwards. You know? You take action. You don't see it and say, Oh Allah, astaghfirullah, may Allah give me taqwa. No, you don't do that. You take the action to prevent that from harming you. Because that heart is so precious to you. That is the core of your decision-making process, right? And so taqwa. You have a haram business. What's the action you take is prevent this. You take some sort of action to cleanse your business. You know, It's not just about taqwa and the heart and yeah, Allah help me. So here Allah is teaching us giving helps attain taqwa. Giving helps attain taqwa. Another thing we're learning here is some people, they give, mashallah. They give. They build masjids and give to Quran and give to orphans. But there's no taqwa. They have their haram businesses. They have their you know, shameless addictions. They're cheating on their wives. They're not you know, spending time reading Quran. They're not praying five times a day. But they're giving. Mashallah, they're doing a'ta. Allah is saying a'ta. وَاتَّقَى Balance. أَعْطَى alone won't be of benefit. You know? Then there's so many people we know who are not Muslims and they're giving in the billions. Right? We have foundations. Now they're giving, mashallah, in the billions. And they're committing. I will preserve my whole fortune for giving. But Allah saying, what about taqwa? Hello? Is there taqwa also? So we need to balance it out. On the other extreme, you have people, mashallah, taqwa, they're reading five times salah and tahajjud and qiyam and Quran. But when it comes to giving, ah, no, no. I need to pay the bills, I need this, I need that. And they become greedy. So they have taqwa, but they don't have a'ta. 
You know, so Allah is saying, strike the balance here between giving and between attaining taqwa, subhanAllah. Very deep stuff. And here Allah is also teaching us, subhanAllah, you know the nature of the human being is when he gives, then we have the sense of pride. Alhamdulillah, I have taqwa and I have, you know, mashallah, I'm helping people. and So this arrogance comes. And then Allah is reminding us, give, and then make sure you have taqwa after giving. Because you, shaitan will come to you and you will get that arrogance and that ego. So make sure, that's why taqwa came after i'ta. Give and then remind yourself, I need to have taqwa, I need to be patient. And you know some people, and Allah talks about this in the Quran, that some people will destroy their giving by doing what's known as men. Allah says, وَلَا تُبْطِلُوا صَدَقَاتِكُمْ بِالْمَنِّ وَالْأَذَى Don't, like, you give someone and then you call them, ah, so how's it going? Are you spending the money wisely? And then you update, you know, update your Facebook profile and say, Alhamdulillah, I just gave, you know, 2,000 dinars to my cousin in Pakistan and, you know, make dua for me that Allah accepts my donation, you know. And then, um, you know, he comes back to you next year and in front of, he's, he's coming to you and talking to you secretly. I need 500 dinars more, man. I need to educate my kids. Not enough money. And then you say out loud, remember I gave you last year 2,000 dinars. You blew it away. What did you, what did you do with it? This is called adha. You're destroying your i'ta. Because there's no taqwa. You didn't understand this ayah. You just gave. Allah is saying give and have taqwa. Give and have taqwa. And so, you know, we're reminded here that the human being needs to constantly remind himself, this is not mine to begin with. And you know, like my teacher used to say, it's like transferring from one account to another. Do we hesitate from transferring from one bank account to another? Why not? Because both bank accounts are mine. So we have no problem transferring from this account to that account. It's still within my ownership. Allah is saying, giving sadaqah and giving i'ta is like transferring from your dunya account to your akhira account. That's how certain you should be that this is preserved. We have to have no hesitation at all. It's there. You will see it on the Day of Judgment. And it's not just going to be the same amount. It's going to be multiplied 700-fold, 700x the amount you give. And, you know, subhanAllah, we experiment this with children all the time, right? Um, this, this attitude of getting used to get a gift. So, you know, you give out lollipops to your children, right? And then before they eat it, you take it away. Will they let you take it away? What will they say? It's mine, Baba. It's mine. Don't take it away from me. All of a sudden, that gift became theirs. They forget that, you know, it's a gift, subhanAllah. And that's the attitude of a human being. We forget that these gifts are ours. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, subhanAllah, in, in some places in the Qur'an, He actually teaches us a very powerful lesson to put ourselves in place and to embarrass us. You know what He says? He says, give me a loan and I promise I'll pay it back. SubhanAllah. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يُقْرِضُ اللَّهَ قَرْضًا حَسَنًا Allah is asking us for a loan. Who's the one who gave us this wealth? Allah Himself, but He's put, indirectly putting us in our place and reminding us of how messed up our attitudes have become. We think this money is ours, and Allah is saying, give me a loan, I'll pay you back. It's so embarrassing. It's like your mom asking you for a loan and promise, promising to pay you back. How will you feel? If your mom says, please, uh, Namshid, you know, I need to borrow a thousand, I swear I'll pay you back, end of the month. What will you say? Mom! Don't say that, mom. My money is your money. You don't need to ask for a loan. 
Here, I'll give you 2,000, mom. What do you want? 5,000, 10,000? I'll give you whatever you want, mom. My money is yours. I am yours. And so, mom is one thing. Allah is saying, Man Allah. Is there anyone? Literally, he says this way. Is there anyone out there who's willing to give me a loan? And I promise I will pay him back. Subhanallah. And so, فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى And another beautiful thing about أَعْطَى is there's two words for giving in the Arabic language. أَعْطَى أَعْطَى and أَعْطَى أَعْطَى and أَعْطَى Now, quiz question for you. Which one do you think is more difficult? أَعْطَى or أَعْطَى Which one's more easy? أَعْطَى is more difficult, right? أَعْطَى is easy. Which word did Allah use for zakat al-mal in the Qur'an? وَالَّذِينَ آتُوا الزَّكَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ why? Because zakat is easy. It's just 2.5% of your money. It's nothing. And you give it once a year. Subhanallah. And yet, there are so many Muslims today who are not even giving this ata. You ask them for a'ta, forget it, man. Ata ni a'ta you know? And so, subhanallah, you know, um, the precision of the choice of the words. A'ta wa taqa. Allah is saying, give in abundance to me. Allah's not asking, but here the mercy is Allah didn't say, A'ta al-malahu. If He said, A'ta malahu, we would have been troubled, right? We would all be bankrupt today. He's saying, A'ta, just give whatever you want in abundance. Give me your time, give me your youth, give me your effort, give me your skills. Spend it in my way, you know? Benefit people with your skills, with your talent, with your business, with your knowledge. Give me whatever, in abundance. And then Allah says, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى Now technically this is a continuation of that same sentence, right? But a lesson for, for you to remember. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a sentence but He breaks it into two ayat. You know why He does that? He does that for us to pay attention to why He broke it up. Allah wants us to focus on a'ta wa taqa separately and then focus on وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى separately. Although it's a continuation of the same thought, right? The, the technical sentence here is فَأَمَّا مَنْ أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى It's three things. But Allah paired أَعْطَى وَاتَّقَى separately for us to stop and think. Huh. Why أَعْطَى and why اتَّقَى? And we learned the lessons, right? And now Allah is saying, okay, now think about وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى separately. وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَى What does that mean? And the one who believes and confirms the truth of الْحُسْنَى you know, beautiful word. I, my, I named my daughter Husna out of, you know, appreciation for this word. So what does this word mean? Al-Husna, wasaddaqa bil-Husna, the one who truly believed and confirmed Al-Husna, from Husn, from goodness. Some, people, some ulama say this refers to Jannah, paradise. That is the ultimate goodness. Some say this is any good deeds that you do. And so here, Allah is teaching us that the one who truly believes in Jannah, and their ultimate reward with true yaqeen, he's going to give a'ta. He's going to give. Why? Because he is certain that this reward will be paid back. You see how it's connected? And here, look at the, the, the flow of the ideas, right? A'ta wa taqa wa saddaqa bil husna. Very interesting order here. Logically speaking, what comes first? Iman comes first, right? Saddaqa bil husna. You got to believe in the day of judgment first. That's in the heart. And then that leads to you having some sort of taqwa to take some action. And then what's the action? A'ta. Why did Allah reverse the order? Allah here is telling us what the fruits are and then taking us back to the roots. The fruits is a'ta. 
That's the proof that you really did tasdiq bil husna. And then Allah is saying, you know what the root is? The root is sadaqa bil husna. But why did Allah put the fruit before the root? Because the theme of the surah is inna sa'yakum lashatta. It's the theme of action, action, action. And therefore, just to, ma- to meet, to match the surah with the theme, he put the action first. A'ta first. You get that point? Yeah? So a'ta and then attaqa and then saddaqa bil husna. Some people say husna here is the kalima, la ilaha illallah. Al husna is the kalima, according to some mufassirun. Why? Because a lot of pe- Muslims have this um, you know, idea that as long as I've said la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, I have a free ticket to Jannah. You know? And uh, then they get relaxed. Like, alhamdulillah, and, uh, you know, kalma parliya, alhamdulillah, you know. Shafat miljagi, you know, they get into this relaxed zone. So Allah is saying, you really, for you, t- the proof that you actually lived this kalima, how do you prove that this kalima is something that you actually believe in? Is when you do a'ta wa taqa. That is the proof that you actually lived by la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Wa saddaqa bil husna. You confirm the truth by doing i'ta and having taqwa. So it's not just saying la ilaha illallah. You got to live it. You got to prove it. Prove it. Well, how? Show me the fruits. What are the fruits? A'ta wa taqa. And you know, we, ha- we hear so many horror stories of Muslims who can't say the kalima at their time of death. Remember this lesson? Why? Because they never lived up for it. They said it with the tongue, but they never internalized it. They never did i'ta, they never lived by that name. And so here, وَصَدَّقَ بِالْحُسْنَةِ Also another powerful lesson is optimism. You know, our belief in Jannah is the ultimate optimism and positive attitude that the believer should have. That, Ya Allah, I'm giving and I know that, you know, I'm going to benefit now and in the akhirah. I have not the slightest doubt of this. And so this is, you know, it's called the power of attraction. And there's, you know, books written about this in the West, the secret and all this. And they're making millions of dollars, right, in revenues. Why? They discovered the secret. But we have the secret in the Quran more than 1,400 years ago. What's the secret? You have that optimism. It's called the law of attraction. You have husn of dhan. You, you are, are you optimistic about Allah? Allah will give you what you're optimistic about. If you have doubts, if you're... Confused, you're, you have doubts that Allah, will you accept this? Then negative things will happen to you. So you are what you think. Yani. If you think positively, positive things will happen to you. If you wake up in the morning and say, you know, I'm lazy and you know, I, I'm tired. You give these negative words to you in the beginning of the morning, your day will be messed up. Try it. Try it with the opposite. Yeah. Say, Alhamdulillah, I'm fresh today and I'm optimistic and I have so much energy. Just say these positive words to yourself and your day will be positive. So that's why they teach this stuff in NLP, you know, the usage of certain words, you know, neuro-linguistic programming. Even words that we utter have an impact on our lifestyles. Things like, I'm tired, I'm bored, you know, I, I'm, I'm miserable today. These negative words actually impact you. I think I'm going to get sick. Don't ever say that. You will get, you will get sick. <laughs> try it, seriously. It's, yeah, don't try it, but... <laughs> don't try it, but try it. <laughs> then Allah says, what happens when he does a'ta wa taqa wa saddaqa bil husna? What happens? There is no doubt about it. We will soon 
make his path of ease easy. Okay, very precise words here. We will soon make the path of ease easy. Okay, now, why soon? Why soon? Because we don't see the results instantly. Okay? In, in the world of instant Instagram and instant text messaging and, you know, buy the car now. You can't afford it? Buy it now. Come, get a loan. Buy it now. You can't afford a jet ski? No problem. Come to the bank. We can make you buy it now. Just pay us installments. You can't afford the latest iPhone? Come, buy it now and pay in installments. That's how, subhanAllah, banks are running today. They're selling you the dreams, right? You see these ads. Live your dream now. Shadi abikarlo. You know? Come, I'll give you a loan. Enjoy. And, you know, even like payment system. You know, back in the days when you used to use cash, you used to count and you used to think. But with the card, swipe. Easy, you know? You don't think about it instantly. And now with, you know, devices being your payment method, subhanAllah, it's becoming all electronic now. And that's how online shopping has become uh, an addiction for so many people. Why? Because instant, now. Anything you want, just go on, order it, four days, it's at your doorstep. Even if it's from, you know, continents away, you get it. SubhanAllah. So, in the, in the world of instant satisfaction, Allah is saying, But here, every letter has a lesson in it. Wallahi, we can talk for an hour about this ayah, but I won't, obviously. Allah is saying, why fa? Fa is a result. Do a'ta wa taqa wa sadaq bil husna fa. As a result of all these three, we will make your path easy. Why sa? The second letter. Fa sa. That's for sofa, yani. It's a short for sofa. We will in the future. Not immediately, in the future. Okay? And here we're learning that, you know, um, the one who gives doesn't just give uh, once and khalas. Alhamdulillah, I gave. Constantly, you know? And the Prophet ﷺ taught us this profound lesson that قَلِيلٌ دَائِمْ خَيْرٌ مِنْ كَثِيرٌ مُنْقَطِعٌ That just a little bit constantly is better than giving a lot but disconnected. Okay? Very profound lesson. Even for the, the, the poor man who says, you know, I don't have, you don't have 100 fills. Can you give 100 fills every Jummah in that box of sadaqah? I don't think anyone is that poor, in, I mean, at least in our vicinity, right, who can say, I can't afford. Give 100 fills consistently for the rest of your life every Jummah. Is that difficult? Is that too much to ask? And, you know, we know that Allah judges us based on intentions. So that 100 fills that the poor man give can be more on the scales of Allah than 100,000 dinars that the millionaire gives, gives but with a corrupt intention to show off or, you know, to build a message so that his name is on the outside so he can, you know, for networking purposes and for gaining respect from society. So that 100 fills in the eyes of Allah is heavier on the scale of the Day of Judgment than that 100,000 dinars. SubhanAllah. So it's all about intentions, yani. It's not about the amount then, you know. So, yani, we need to think about these things. So Allah is saying we will make the path easy for him. We will make the path easy for him later on. A little bit later on. Another thing we're learning here is the path of goodness is difficult in the beginning. Later on it will become what? Easy. Not only that, we are also learning a profound lesson here, guys. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
after a period of struggle will gift us in dunya with ease. You know how like they say that the, the dunya is the prison of the believer and the jannah of the kafir. This is the hadith, right? The dunya is the prison of the believer. Why prison of the believer? Because doing good deeds and waking up for fajr and coming to this dars and you know, being good to people and helping the poor, it's difficult. Just like I'm in a prison. I can't drink alcohol. I can't go to the club. I can't have a girlfriend. I can't do drugs. It's like a prison for the believer. But it's a jannah for the kafir. He can party. He can do whatever he wants. Right? And so here Allah is saying, just struggle a bit for me. Continue doing it. I will make your life a jannah. This prison that you think, you think it's a prison, I will make this life a jannah for you. Just keep doing it consistently for a period of time. Prove to me that you're serious. I will gift you with ease. And there, then that ultimate gift is what? And may Allah give us this gift. That gift is that doing good deeds will become easy for you and falling into sin will become difficult. You know, for, for the normal believer, doing good deeds is difficult. Sins are very easy. Very easy. You know, sins are everywhere. But that gift that Allah gives only those who are committed, notice, that's, and He put three lines under the word commitment. Just show Allah commitment. Show Him seriousness. Show Him consistency. And then you will see that gift. Allah will drop that gift in your life. And you know, we see this in other places. In Surah Talaq, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهِ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ Whoever has taqwa of Allah, يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا Allah will open doors for you. وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ And He'll give you rizq in dunya from places you would never imagine. Subhanallah, you know? So in dunya, Allah is promising us ease. فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى and, you know, the Arabs used to say, Yassar al-Fars. You know how, like, sometimes um, you're riding a horse. There's two people riding a horse. One guy, there's no saddle, there's nothing, there's no seat, there's no reins. It's a, it's a rough ride, right? I once had that ride on a beach, and it was a nightmare, and I freaked out completely. Nothing, no reins. You have no control, يعني, you know? You're just making dua, Ya Allah, protect me, يعني. But on the other hand, you have someone who has prepared his horse. This is called Taysir al-Fars. Yassar al-Fars means you put the saddle on, you have the reins, and then the guy who's riding that horse, he's chilling. This is Taysir. He has, he has control, his ride is going to be smooth. Allah is saying, get on my path, I will make your journey of life smooth. فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْيُسْرَى And so, part of ease is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will start, you know, when you get on his path, Allah will send doors and opportunities of doing goodness to you. Instead of you go, going and looking out for people to help, Allah will send people knocking on your doors, please, help me with this, help me with that, help me with this. SubhanAllah. This is, this is the gift of Allah. Right? Nowadays, when people knock on our doors asking for help, we get angry and annoyed, right? You just came last week, you came again, we get annoyed, but... SubhanAllah, if you just thought about this, these are Allah's opening doors of goodness for us. You know? But we sometimes forget this. We're also learning here the power of habit. The power of habit. When we get used to doing certain things consistently, in this case goodness, good deeds, consistently over a long period of time, it becomes easy. 
right? And you have books in the West written now. There's a book called The Power of Habit that talks just about this. You are able to get any habit done if we just do it consistently over a period of time. And subhanAllah, talking about Ramadan, the theory is do it for 30 days consecutive and it becomes a habit. And Allah wants us once a year to get into the habit of doing good things and get rid of bad habits by staying away from them for 30 days. So if we only applied this, then we would transform ourselves just through the training program of Ramadan. You know? So, and this applies of course to sins. When you get used to doing sins, you get used to seeing filth and shamelessness day after day, video after video, clip after clip, then guess what? It's going to be easy for you to continue doing this. If you're hanging out with friends who consistently say bad words and this word and that word and filth and disgusting words and making fun of people, then that will become the norm for you. You know, when someone says, Yahya, don't use that word, man, it's dirty. Then you start re- reacting like, what's wrong with you, man? It's just that, it's just the F word, yani. what's wrong with that, yani? Adi. We say it all the time, yani. what's wrong with you? Why are you being so weird? So you become desensitized, you know, you become unsensitive to these things. But in Ramadan, what happens? We stay away from this stuff, right? Filth and everything. And so, ideally, in Eid, when you know, that junk comes out, What's supposed to happen? You're supposed to be like, whoa, I can't see that, man. I just cleansed my heart for 30 days. I can't go to that place. Astaghfirullah. You know, but two weeks later, yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, okay, let's see that clip. It's okay. You know? So that's the, the attitude that we need to get over. And subhanAllah, some people, you know, may Allah guide us all, but some people in Ramadan, they're committed to not purifying their heart, but... Corrupting the heart in Ramadan. And you know, a question here arises. Wait a second. I thought shaitan was tied up in Ramadan. So how come they're, corrupt, they're corrupting, the, corrupting themselves in Ramadan? Just this morning, someone sent me a clip of like, women fighting, fist fighting in a city center. So where, where was shaitan? I thought shaitan was locked up in Ramadan. How come these guys are fighting? These girls are fighting. Women. Old women, mothers. Fighting, fist fighting in abayas. It's, it's a scene to see. Yani, Allah. <laughs> So the question is, how come shaitan is locked up? But wait a second, there's the nafs, al-amara bisu'. That shaitan inside of you is not locked up. You know, so if you're not, you're not going to take care of that shaitan in Ramadan, then you are going to do messed up things. There are people who drink in, in Ramadan. You know, there's people who pray, uh, play poker in Ramadan. Yeah. So. And then on the contrast, وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى As for the one who was greedy and he did istighna. Look at the, the, the opposites now. In the, in the previous one we said, أَعْطَى وَالتَّقَى Okay, the one who gave and had taqwa. Here we're saying, بَخِلَ What's the opposite of giving? بَخِيل بُخْل From stinginess, from being greedy. The one who doesn't give is بَخِيل Okay? And then there we said, وَالتَّقَى What's the opposite of taqwa? Protecting yourself. istighna here. The one who thinks that he doesn't need anybody. He thinks he is ghani. He is independent. He doesn't need anybody's help. You know? And so here, we're learning the, the consequence of bukhul. When you have greed, when you don't give, when you want to keep for yourself, you want to accumulate the wealth for yourself, then naturally what's going to happen? You're going to have this istighna feeling inside of you. That I don't need anybody's help. I am sufficient. Like Qarun. He became istighna. You know, I, I earned this money from my you know, own efforts. I have a PhD from Harvard. I earned this degree. 
I earned this effort. I created this business from scratch. This is istighna. This is what the disbelievers had as an attitude, right? They, they told the prophets, don't come to us. Don't give us your message. We are, you know, self-sufficient. We don't need guidance. We're smart enough. Deen is for your poor, your poor people. You bichare log, you know? We, alhamdulillah, we have our Bentleys and Ferraris and our palaces. We're set. Allah loves us, you know? And so Allah here is reminding us that, you know, He is Al-Ghani. He is Al-Ghani. Anyone who claims to be, have istighna, this is a disease. This is a serious, serious disease. Someone who thinks that money is uh, for him to keep. But another lesson here for us to do, like, يعني, we unfortunately get into this habit of sometimes judging people that they are bakhil. You go ask someone, Ya Akhi, you know, we're raising money for, you know, people of Syria, please, Yani, give us. And you know this guy's a millionaire, but he doesn't give you. What's the thought that comes in the mind? This guy's stingy, man. Astaghfirullah, man. He's driving a Ferrari, but he doesn't want to give 10 dinars. But we can't judge, because maybe this guy's giving a million dinars somewhere else for some other good cause. Who are we to judge, right? So something just for us to keep... keep uh, Remembering, yani, never judge people that they're greedy. Allah knows the state of the hearts. Allah knows who's pure. Remember yesterday we said, فَلَا تُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ هُوَ أَعْلَمُ بِمَنَ التَّقَى Don't claim that you're pure. Which also means don't claim that others are بَخِيل. Allah knows the state of the heart. And then Allah says, فَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى What's the result of being greedy and doing istighna? وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى you start denying the ayat. You start denying Jannah. You start denying this whole concept of deen and risala and all these things. You start denying. And there's people like that living today. Wallahi. Just yesterday, over, like my sister was telling me that someone at work with her, actually Muslim, يعني, you know, said to her, you actually believe in this whole concept of Laylatul Qadr? Come on, it's all a big scam. يعني. You know? don't need to pray five times a day and all this. It's all a big scam. Yeah. Just enjoy your life, be good, and you know, that's all God wants from you. This whole thing about praying five times a day and Laylatul Qadr and all your sins will be erased, it's all a fantasy. Yeah. People think like that. So what's that? Why does this takdeeb happen? Why do the people deny these things? Because bukhul and istighna leads to takdeeb. These are the footsteps of shaitan. One footstep to another leads to something bigger and bigger and bigger. And here, takdeeb, you know, denial, which is the kufr, right? Denial of the message. What did the Thamud people do after denying? After denial, what's the next step? They killed the she-camel, right? What were people of Quraysh planning? Deny the message, kill the Prophet You know, this is the result. These are the, the consequences of, of denying. And so, there's people, you know, nowadays who, unfortunately, like I told you, they start denying deen. And who, who are these people usually? The rich. Right or no? Anyone who mocks Islam, and, and, and mostly, for the most part, these are people who are rich. Why? Because they feel that they're istighna. They don't need to talk about Quran and dars. They're too busy making money, man. They're too busy networking in these events and iftar parties, yeah. What? That's Quran. That's for losers, man. That's for people who don't have life. You know? And so, what does Allah say about this person? We will make his life 
difficult, filled with difficulty. So he actually says, we will make his ease lead to difficulty. So in both situations, it's easy, remember? Because the one who consistently does sins, Allah will make his sins easy for him. Remember we talked about this? Just like the one who continues to do goodness, Allah will make his goodness, what? Easy for him, right? Similarly, the one who continues to sin, it's going to be easy for him to commit zina. Easy for him to go to the club. Easy for him to have like four girlfriends simultaneously. and Easy for him to go to Vegas and blow his money and gambling. Very easy. He's used to it over and over again. But Allah, look at the beauty of these words. He says, This ease, we will make it difficult for him. Not only in this life, Remember like Husna, Allah says, I will make your life a Jannah here. Allah is saying, I will make their life difficult with their ease in the beginning. And here we're learning a profound lesson that sometimes Allah, He, you know, even the rich people who have istighna and bukhul and they don't like to help the poor, they don't even like to encourage giving, Allah through their wealth makes this wealth a adab for them, a punishment for them. How? You have so many stories. I have so many stories of rich, multi-millionaire family mothers calling me up and saying, my son is addicted to drugs. Please help me out. Wallahi, I'm not kidding. Some of the top families here. The mother's crying. They have all the money in the world. They have all the cars in the world. Big house, big flat screen, 100-inch TV and everything. But there's no happiness. Children become kharab. Children blow away the money. You know? A guy just bought a Ferrari. Through that Ferrari, Allah will make him crash and paralyze for the rest of his life. Now where's the millions? Where's the big house with the swimming pool and the jet ski and the boat? What use is that? Through wealth, Allah punishes, subhanAllah. And some people get sick, you know? In the bed, some people have sleepless nights, like Pharaoh. He was the king of Egypt, but yet he used to have sleepless nights, insomnia. Why? He, was, he felt threatened, this boy might come and take over my kingdom. And so he issued a decree, kill all the males, babies, every other year. You know, and then he had to live with that guilt. Problems over problems. And they make songs about this, right? Rappers, right? More money, more problems, right? More money you have, more problems. The guy who has a billion dollars is worried about what? Worried about making sure no one's stealing the billion. Right? Sleepless nights on managing that money. Making sure no one's taking it away. Allah is saying, what use is that money going to be on the day when he will taradda? Subhanallah. Taradda means he will throw himself in the ditch. What use will that money be on the day when he will throw himself in the ditch? Now what's the ditch? There's ikhtilaf here. One meaning is the ditch of the grave. In the grave, and you know graves are pretty tight, right? So, you know, when he's put in the grave, he, he, won't, say to the, he won't have the ability to say to the angels, can I get an upgrade please? Can I be upgraded to business class, first class please, a bit more space? Can I have some water? No, the money will be of no use on that day. That ditch will stay tight. And subhanAllah, in some narrations, we learned that the ditch will actually squeeze his rib cages together. His rib cages will come together like that squeeze. 
you know. And another meaning of the, the ditch here is the hellfire. He will throw himself in the hellfire. And, you know, you know, before being thrown in the hellfire, he won't be able to bribe the angels. Yaqi, here it's 10 dinars, you know, please. Can I, can you sneak me into Jannah, please, you know. That money will be of no use on that day. And similarly, some say the ditch is actually the ditch of life. Their life will become a ditch of tightness and, you know, depression and depression, depression pills and drugs and alcohol and problems and divorce, you know. You feel, Allah says, you know, Whoever, you know, runs away from my remembrance, I will make his life banka, tight, filled with unease and worry and tension. That's why we have celebrities who commit suicide. And subhanAllah, just yesterday I found out a very good friend of mine, you know, died of drug overdose in Ramadan. Depression, you know. Poor lifestyle, no money. SubhanAllah, may Allah have mercy on him. And so Allah is saying, look at the beauty here now. Allah is saying, you humble yourself to me, I will make your life easy and I will give you husna, which is high up there, right? You humble yourself to me, care about others, give others, I will raise you. As for the one who was arrogant in this life, the one who had istighna, Allah is saying, he will be tarda, he will be taradda. He will throw himself in the ditch. Allah will lower him. He didn't do sajda to me in dunya. I will make him do sajda in the hellfire. Subhanallah. Okay? So here we're, we're being given the two contrasts. And then Allah talks about guidance. Part number three. It is upon us to guide. It is upon us to guide. Allah is telling us who owns guidance. Just now that person who was bakhil and who had istighna. Can he buy guidance with his million dollars in the bank account? Allah is saying, no. Just like you can't upgrade your ditch, even guidance, you can't buy it. And this is a lesson for us also, that don't ever, ever take guidance for granted. Because Allah is the one who owns guidance. And He can take it away. And therefore, that is why we say, اِهْدِنَا الصَّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ The core dua in Surah Al-Fatiha, 17 times, if you're praying 5 times a day, at least 17 times you're making this dua. Ya Allah, guide us, guide us, guide us, guide us, guide us. And Allah, and listen to this. You know how some, some people say, you tell them, why aren't you praying? Allah didn't guide me yet. The, the rule here is, Allah guides those who want to be guided. This is the sunnah of Allah. Allah guides those who seek guidance. And so, when the believer gets into this false righteous, self-righteousness attitude where he feels he doesn't need to ask for guidance because he already has it, that's a problem. That is shaitan. You have an ego with your deen now, with your righteousness. You think you don't need to ask Allah. Allah is saying, no, no, no. Every moment of the day, every, in every salah, ask me, humble yourself and ask me desperately to guide you. Never ever have that attitude of self-comfort like zone, you know? You know, you know, those guys need guidance. The kuffar need guidance. The hypocrites need guidance. I'm fine. No. Always have that attitude of seeking guidance. And then Allah says, وَإِنَّ لَنَا لَلْآخِرَةِ وَالْأُولَى And to, to us belongs the akhirah and the ula. The, event, the hereafter, akhirah and the ula. Allah didn't call it dunya. Usually Allah says dunya and akhirah, right? Here Allah called it akhirati wal ula. Why not dunya? Because here Allah is associating it to Himself. وَإِنَّ لَنَا 
And whenever Allah you know, talks about Himself, He never associates Himself with something filthy. And we learned that what is Hayatul Dunya? It's low, it's filthy, right? And remember, Hayatul Dunya, not Dunya. I clarified this misconception that a believer does not hate dunya. A, a believer hates the dunya lifestyle. But dunya is supposed to be beautiful to us. It's supposed to be a place where we love to live and we love to make this world a better place. And we, you know, love life. Okay? So, What is Allah telling us? Everything belongs to us. Everything belongs to us. Reminding us that all these gifts I've given you, I'm asking you to give back. Don't forget that everything belongs to me. And we remember this when we die also. When someone dies, we say what? Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. That there is no doubt about it. We belong to Allah and to Him we shall return. So here Allah is saying, just remember this rule. Everything in this life, in the beginning and the end belongs to me. And so therefore the believer when he remembers this, will giving become easy? Yes, absolutely. But the moment we forget that this belongs to Allah, giving becomes what? Difficult, right? Oh, I have to pay man, bills, education, you know, electricity. I have, you know, children to feed, and this and that. So there's, that's where we get messed up. And then here, also beautiful, Allah is saying, Akhira belongs to me and Ula belongs to me. Now some people ask for what? Only. Only Akhira. Ya Allah, Jannah, 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 Hur al you know. And some people, Ya Allah, Ferrari, Bentley, you know, business, this, that. Only dunya, dunya, dunya. Allah is saying, I own both. Therefore, ask for both. Balance. Okay. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِنَا عَذَابِ النَّارِ And then Allah says, now this is the warning, last part. فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ نَارًا تَلَظَّى I personally am warning you of a fire that is crackling, it is blazing. The sound of fire is like getting ready. Allah is scaring us, you know. And here, previously, Salih warned his people, right? Thamud. Allah is saying, you didn't listen to Thamud's warning, now listen to my warning, personally to you. فَأَنذَرْتُكُمْ I am warning you of a crackling warning. Who's going to reach it? لَا يَصْلَاهَا إِلَّا الْأَشْقَى Who's going to reach it? No one's going to reach it except the الْأَشْقَى The wretched one, the most wretched one. He's going to enter in it himself. SubhanAllah. الْأَشْقَى And then we, we learned this word also in the previous surah, right? إِذِنْ بَعْثَ أَشْقَاهَا Remember the one who killed the she-camel? Allah called him Ashqa there also. The one whose life is messed up. Depression and worries. But there Allah told us what his punishment will be in dunya. He flattened them out. Here what is Allah saying? لا يصلاها إلا الأشقى Where? In dunya or akhirah? In akhirah, right? So it's complimenting. Allah tells us the Ashqa, he will be living a life of misery and his akhirah will be a misery. And you know what's beautiful here? The contrast also of both surahs. In the previous surah, Salih told them, don't go near the camel. What did they do? They went near. In this case, the Prophet ﷺ is telling them, come to me. Come listen to some Quran. Come to get some reminder. What are, what's the disbeliever doing? Running away. SubhanAllah. And so the next ayah is, الَّذِي كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى The one who denied and ran away. 
Subhanallah. So beautiful, right? The one who denied my ayat and ran away. So what are the two crimes being committed? Number one, denying the ayat. Number two, running away. Turning away from reminders. And we have people today, we invite them to dars. You know, I'm busy, man. I have to go to Shisha, play some backgammon with friends. Real Madrid is playing today. I need to go, you know. Tawalla. They, they run away from reminders, subhanAllah. Okay? And here, كَذَّبَ وَتَوَلَّى The one who denied and ran away from who? From the poor people who were coming and asking. They do, bai, they do, ikrpe, they do, dorpe. And you're running away. No, you're shutting the door. Tawalla from people who are asking for help. This is the attitude of the disbeliever. And then Allah is saying, who will be protected from the hellfire? وَسَيُجَنَّبُهَا الْأَتْقَى There was ashqa, here's atqa. Shaqi and taqi. Okay? Shaqi is the wretched one, the miserable one. Taqi is the one who is pure, the one who is protecting himself. Allah is saying he will be kept far away from hellfire. وَسَيُجَنَّبُهَا Very far away. And you know, a lot of Mufassirun say here, the reference here is being drawn to Abu Bakr Sadiq. You know? Because he freed a number of slaves and so Allah promised him this. But of course, this is also a lesson for us. That Al-Atqa, the most righteous, will be freed from this. And then Al-Ladhi yu'ti malahu yatazakkad. Who is this Atqa? Allah is telling us, the most righteous. Who is he? Al-Ladhi yu'ti malahu yatazakka. Al-Ladhi yu'ti malahu yatazakka. The one who gives his money, yatazakka. He purifies himself. This is so beautiful now. What did I tell you about i'ta versus ita? A'ta is heavier and more difficult. Even it sounds difficult, right? A'ta was easy. Earlier Allah said a'ta, right? A'ta wa taqa, general, not about money. Here Allah is saying, الَّذِي يُؤْتِي مَالَهُ He made ease of giving money now. He said money, but he made it easy. Which means what? Give a little bit. I don't expect i'ta from you. Just give. 100 fills here, 100 fills there, dinar here, dinar there. Just give a little bit. And then Allah didn't say, This is also beautiful here. Allah didn't say, The one who gives money and then gets purified. Allah disconnected the consequence. Why? We give, but who purifies us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can never claim that, Alhamdulillah, I purified myself today. No, no, no. We put the effort, we give. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who purifies. And yu'ti, it's a fi'l mudara. Again, present and future tense, which means what? Keep doing it. Consistently keep doing it. Yu'ti malahu, he keeps doing it over. Not ata, not past. Keep doing it. You know, consistently. Alladhi yu'ti malahu yatazakka wa ma li ahadin indahu min ni'matin tujza. And this person, he has... Nothing in mind in terms of seeking reward and appreciation from others when he gives. You know? Sometimes we give, and this is an error we make. We give and we say, make dua for me, brother. Don't do that. <laughs> You're seeking something from that person. Allah is saying, Al-Atqa does not seek anything from this person. Not even dua. dua. And we learn from the Prophet ﷺ that a dua, for you, a dua that you make for your brother behind his back secretly is guaranteed acceptance. So make dua in secret. Don't say, Ya khi, I made dua for you yesterday. I was in Umrah and I made lots of dua for you and for your children. Don't do that. Keep it a secret, Ya khi. <laughs> You know? We try to make each other feel good about yeah, making dua, but don't. Don't ask people for dua. Don't seek anything in return from people. 
What do we seek? Only one thing. We only seek the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here we're talking about intentions, right? You're only doing it for the pleasure of Allah. And what do we know about the pleasures of Jannah? The ultimate pleasure of Jannah is not Hurunin, guys. It's not, okay? Although it sounds attractive and, you know, 70 Hurunin. The ultimate pleasure of Jannah is seeing the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know this, that the people closer to Jannah, the Firdaus, will get to see him frequently. As for those who are you know, in the lower levels of Jannah, the economy class of Jannah, they will see him like once in a while, you know. Just like celebrities, subhanAllah, and nowadays, like how many of us have seen Michael Jackson? None of us, right? Similarly there, there will be VIPs like Abu Bakr Siddiq, like Prophet Muhammad like Ibrahim They will be VIPs. In dunya, when you're, you, know, you don't have money, you, you can't afford to see these celebrities and VIPs. So when you see him once, like, please, can I take a selfie, autograph, and he posts it on Facebook, you get excited. That will be the state of the believers with the VIPs in the lower levels of Jannah. When they see these VIPs, they'll be like, wow, guess who I saw today? Guess who signed? Look at the selfie I took with Abu Bakr Siddiq. But you see these things rarely when you're in the lower levels of Jannah. As for those who are in the VIPs, they're playing football with Umar Da'an. They're playing ping pong, you know, with Asma bin Affan. The sisters are, you know, having chai with Aisha, Radha Anha, and Khadija, and I, you know, they're chilling with them. And so, in dunya, to get access to celebrities, you need money, wasta, power, you know, all these things, right? Good looks and fame. What do we need to be celeb- with the celebrities of Jannah? Taqwa, just some purification of the heart, a pure, pure heart, a sound heart. That's it, no money. And then Allah says, Wala sawfayarda at the end. And indeed, there's no doubt about it, he will be satisfied. And here we're learning two things. Number one, Allah will be satisfied with the slave, and number two, the slave will be satisfied with what Allah has prepared for him. And so here Allah's teaching us the ultimate gift or the ultimate uh, thing we should be seeking. After the face of Allah, Allah's saying, My Ridwan. My satisfaction, my, you know, being satisfied with what you've done. This is the ultimate gift. Yes, some of us, we, we do good deeds and we seek Jannah, but the higher level is to seek Ridwanullah. That Allah, are you happy with me, Allah? Are you, are you pleased with me, Allah? And Allah is saying, that is the ultimate gift and that cannot be bought with money. That is the true happiness. And even in dunya, the most precious thing that a human being can have is contentment in the heart. It's called rida, being satisfied with what Allah has given you. Not consistently complaining, okay, I need a bigger house, I need a better car, I need a you know, promotion, I need more money in my business. When you're in that state, you're never going to be content. You're always complaining. You know? So be content. Look below you and look at how unfortunate other people are and be content, be thankful. But at the same time, of course, aim higher. Allah doesn't, you know, here is another misconception, okay? You know, we're poor, you know, for generations we've been poor, we'll stay poor. We're content, we're being poor. That's a misconception. And so just some concluding tips here. And this is, my teacher used to say this. You want to know if you are, a peop- you are from the people of Jannah or from the people of Hellfire, there is a way to know right now. Every single one of us, we need to ask ourselves one question and you will be, and don't say it out loud, please. Okay? This is a personal thing. 
first in the exercise, ask yourself this question and you will know if you are from the people of Jannah or from the people of Hellfire. Ask yourself, do you like to give more than you take? Or do you like to take more than you like to give? If you are a person who likes to give and help more than getting, then inshallah, it's good news, you are inshallah of the people of paradise. But if you are a person who likes to take, I want, I want, I want, giving, you know, you have this itchy feeling inside, then, alhamdulillah, it's not too late, yani. I'm not saying you have guaranteed ticket to hellfire, astaghfirullah, but it's time to fix things, yani. you're in danger. So it's a, it's a nice mechanism. And you know, another lesson here for those of you who are married, teach your children to give. You know, we give our children so many gifts over and over and over again, they get used to it. And then when we take it away, what happens? They cry. You know the nature of children now? You go to a toy store. How many toys in a toy store? Like 10,000, right? You buy him one toy, he still walks out of the shop crying. Why? Because there's 999 toys you haven't bought him. <laughs> Subhanallah, you know? And we keep teaching our children the stuff of getting gifts, gifts, gifts. We need to teach them how to give also. Because, you know, children, by the time they're teens and they're used to getting, 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 then game over. Email is sent, khalas. Once the email is sent, it doesn't come back. Yeah. And so, also lastly, I want to take five minutes to clarify a major misconception here that has a lot to do with... You notice that a lot of this theme of the surah was wealth and giving, right? So one major misconception that has happened in our ummah is that um, poverty and being poor is good. And over the past 50, 100 years, you know, we keep saying these hadiths of how the Prophet used to like tie his stomach out of hunger and how, you know, that the poor people will enter Jannah 70 years before the um, people of, uh, you know, people who are rich. And these are, I'm not saying these hadiths are not accurate. They're all accurate. But we need to clarify something, right? And pay attention with me. So this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ tying himself up, how many times did it happen? It happened in one incident in the Battle of Khandaq, guys. Okay? This was not the daily practice of the Prophet ﷺ to wake up in the morning and tie himself up out of hunger. There's another incident where Prophet ﷺ walked out of the house hungry. Abu Bakr walked out of the house hungry. You know, Umar walked out of the house hungry and all three were hungry. And like, Bukla Giyar, fridge me kuchniye. That happened how many times? It would happen once. But we quote it in every khutbah and every das and every... SubhanAllah, is this justice, guys? It's not justice. You know, and just to share with you some facts, okay? I'm not making that stuff up. Facts of the financial lifestyle of the Prophet ﷺ. So a lot of you who are not married, one of the number one reason you're not married is because you can't afford to have a wife yet, right or no? The Prophet ﷺ had how many wives? How many? Yeah, in total, 13 wives. Total, 13 wives. He afforded 13 marriages. Number one. How many children did he have? Nowadays, you know, we, we limit our children to one, two. Two is a lot, yani, you know. He had total of seven, if you include the children of his, you know, um, jawari. How many servants did he have? Total of five. Did he own his houses or was it gifted to him? He paid for them. So he's running 13 families, 7 children, 5 servants, owns his houses, 
And by the way, modes of transportation. Most of us, we have how many cars on average? One, right? Prophet ﷺ had three modes of transportation. A camel, a horse, and a mule. How many of us had three cars? The Prophet ﷺ was pretty loaded. Okay? He was so loaded that when it came to hijrah, Abu Bakr Siddiq told him, Ya Rasulullah, here, take my camel. You know? What did the Prophet ﷺ said? Sure, I'll buy it from you. How much? And he paid for it. He didn't say, oh, Jazakallah khair, thank you so much, Masha, may Allah reward you, Yaqi. He paid for it. And, you know, we also know that the Prophet loved perfume. Now, perfume, do poor people wear perfume? In a, in a sound hadith, Prophet loved women and perfume. The Prophet was known to have specific robes that he used to wear for, for Jum'ah, for whenever tribes would come over. The Prophet in one incident, He's known that it's called Amil Wufud, the year where a lot of tribes came to meet him, you know, to give allegiance and bay'ah. 27 tribes came. Where did they live? In the house of the Prophet. He could afford having even guests. He, has, he had guest houses and guest rooms. How many guests can we afford to have? You know? Not only that, he had Ahl al Sufa. The poor people who used to live, they used to pretty much, they were given free accommodation in the house of the Prophet ﷺ. How many were they? Difference of narration, 70 to 100 poor people living on the account of who? Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ was pretty rich. You, follow, you want to follow sunnah? Yalla. Follow the sunnah of becoming a multimillionaire. And you know, not only that, he raised Ali ibn Abi Talib in his house. Right? If he was poor, he was like, no, yakhi, I can't. Yakhi. Keep, it, keep him in his uncle's house. And he could not accept sadaqah. One day, Ali ibn Abi Talib was eating from a date that was from sadaqah mal. He took it out from his mouth and said, no, we, go, we don't accept sadaqah. He did not live on the expenses of his wife. That did not live on the expenses of his family. So where did the money come from? That's the question now, right? Number one, we know he, he traded. Quran says, yamshi fil aswaq. Surah Al-Duha, we learn. وَوَجَدَكَ عَائِلًا فَأَغْنَى We found you عَائِلًا عَائِلًا means you had a lot of children. فَأَغْنَى Allah is saying, we gave you wealth, we made you rich. In the Quran, it's mentioned. SubhanAllah. So, you know, this is يعني, injustice for us to say that, you know, poor is okay and, you know, let's enter Jannah. Even the hadith of the poor people entering in Jannah, 70 years before the people who are rich, right? Now, it doesn't say the status of the levels of Jannah. It just says who's going to enter before. What's more important, entering before or the level of Jannah? In other hadith, we learn that the yad al-ulya khayrun min al-yad al-sufla, the upper hand that gives is better than the lower hand. And in other hadith, Allah said that the thankful rich person, listen to this, the thankful rich person is better than the Patient, poor person. So, yani, just to connect this with the facade, right? Corruption. What, what results in corruption in society is when we have poverty, right? And you have poor people. And what results in ignorance? Poverty. Why are our children being brainwashed? Go blow yourself up. Go blow this message up. Why? Poverty. 
Who is going to study Islam in uh, the Islamic universities and madrasas? With all due respect, who's going? The poor people who are not accepted in colleges. And these people are coming up in the members and giving khutbahs about it's good to be poor and you enter Jannah before the believers. So it's a, yani, yani, with all due respect, I'm saying this to clarify these misconceptions, but we need to be people of uh, you know, high aspirations because you know, we keep complaining there's facade and the enemies, they're controlling the media, they have you know, the education system, the healthcare system, the banking system. Okay, if we don't do something about it, if we don't have our own empires, we need to have our own clean media empires. We need to have our own clean education systems, our own clean healthcare system, our own clean banking system. Then we can, we can talk. You know? And Allah says in the Quran, الشيطان يعدكم الفقر ويأمركم بالفحشاء Shaytan promises you poverty and commands you to fahsha. Look at this ayah, man. He commands, he, he promises us faqr and commands us to fahsha. Why? Because when you're poor, then fahsha is easy for you to get into. You know? You have no more hope left. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us, inshallah, all people who are, inshallah, givers and not takers, givers and not beggars, and, and May inshallah we have the high aspirations to uh, be benefits to the ummah rather than a burden on the ummah. Okay? And, and to help inshallah with all the ayat that came about helping the orphans and this, let's be people who can afford to make a change even financially. Because yeah. finance, today finance is the game guys. Finance is the game. Money, is, money talks. Yeah. You know? And money will get you married inshallah also. جزاكم الله خير سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته